Welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Fourteenth chapter of the book of Revelation, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there. We're going to be flipping about in different passages tonight in uh, Isaiah. So if you kind of want to find Isaiah and put your finger there. Revelation and Isaiah. We'll also be in Genesis. But I don't think Genesis is too hard to find. Seems like every message I preach, I always take you back to Genesis. Well, that's where everything started. Got to get a good running start to make a point sometimes. (laughs) At any rate, Revelation chapter 14, let's pick it up tonight in verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Now, the phrase, another angel, refers back to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 13. If you remember, the angel there flew through the heavens, warning every one of the last three trumpet judgments uh, that were yet to come. And just as that angel was able to be seen of men, this angel here, Uh, will be seen of men as well. Some even think that his ministry will continue for the remainder of the tribulation period. Now, he's preaching the everlasting gospel. Let me tell you this. There's only one gospel that God will recognize for salvation. According to 1 Peter 1 and verse 20, It was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but it's been made manifest in these last days for you and I. Now, what that means is, before God created this world, he knew that he would create this world. He knew that he would create man. He knew that man would fall. He knew that man would need a redeemer. So before any of that took place, it was foreordained that Jesus Christ would be born, live a perfect life, die on the cross of Calvary, be buried and raised from the dead three days later. It was foreordained in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. So if you want to say that this world is founded on the cross of Christ then you can say that. Now, when man fell in the garden, 
God pointed to a redeemer. That's in Genesis 3 and 15. That's one of the first references that we have in the Word of God uh, where God pointed to a redeemer that was to come, Genesis 3 and 15. He said the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent, and it's something of that of that nature is the way it's worded. But at any rate, uh, you've heard me tell the story several times how that Adam and Eve found themselves naked and they made fig leaves and God said that that was insufficient. He went over and he took an animal of some kind, more than likely it was a lamb. He took that lamb and killed it and pulled its skin away from its hide and he made coats of skins and covered Adam and Eve. And in that act of killing that animal, it is believed that there is where God instituted the Old Testament sacrificial system. Now, we believe that because we see Cain and Abel. Remember the story of Cain and Abel, how they brought an offering to the Lord. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. The fruit of the ground represented the work of his own hands. It was a gospel of his own making, if you will. God rejected Cain's offering and told him, if you go take a lamb and you offer it up as a sin offering, then uh, you can be restored the same as your brother. And, of course, we know God accepted Abel's offering uh, because he brought a lamb. He brought a kid of the goats. It was a blood sacrifice, and God accepted Abel's offering. But that's where the dividing point comes in at, back there with the story of Cain and Abel. God's way has always been through a blood sacrifice. But man has created other gospels, and one of the best gospels today that man has created is the gospel of good works. Man tries to save himself by doing any number of things, but the doing of things is not sufficient to save a person. God said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So it's faith in the gospel that God has provided, which was a blood sacrifice. It was through Abraham. God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, I'll make of you a great nation. Of course, we know how Abraham came out from among his people to the land that God showed him. It was to his grandson, Jacob. Uh, God later changed his name to Israel. God told Jacob that it was through his son Judah and his tribe that the Messiah, the Redeemer, the promised seed, would come through the tribe of Judah. Later on, we see David, King David. Uh, God told David that it was through his family that the Lord Jesus Christ, the promised seed, the redeemer of mankind would come through his family. And then when we get in the New Testament, we read in Matthew and Luke, the genealogies, both Mary and Joseph traced back to David and right on back to Abraham and so forth. But it's always been... God's gospel, the everlasting gospel, from, beginning, from the beginning of the world all the way up. And the everlasting gospel also speaks of eternity in the future. 
uh, there will always be people born in this world with a natural body, with a sin nature, and those people will need to be saved. The cross of Christ is also that which brings about a sequence of events that will redeem this world. As you know, this whole world is out of sorts right now with the weather elements and the hurricanes, tornadoes. It was just on the news this morning about all the hail that fell out in the Midwest and all the bad weather they're experiencing out there. All of that, folks, comes from the fall. But what Jesus did at Calvary is going to straighten all of that out. It'll happen when he takes the book out of the right hand of God the Father and begins to open up those seals and judges the sin that is in this world, uh, ultimately bringing an end to that. But at any rate, like I said, just keep in mind that the gospel is an everlasting gospel. It was here before the foundation of the world. It will always be here. In eternity, every single one of you sitting here tonight, as well as myself, you have eternity ahead of you. A billion years from tonight, you were there in that place because of the sacrifice that Jesus paid on Calvary. And we will never forget it. And I think that even a billion years from tonight, we'll be learning about that great sacrifice that Jesus paid. I don't think that it is a subject that you can exhaust. At any rate, Paul also called it in Hebrews thirteen twenty the everlasting covenant. It'll never come to an end, folks. Now, this angel is preaching it to every nation, kindred, tongue, and... Uh, and like I said, I think this angel will be seen all over the world. No doubt television cameras will capture it and broadcast it all over the world at that time. So everybody's going to see it. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I wonder if this angel is what Jesus was referring to there in Matthew 24, verse 14, where he said the gospel of the kingdom would be preached all over the world. It very well could be. But this angel is preaching the gospel. Preaching has always been God's way, God's method. And as we look into the future at the time that this angel will be flying through the heavens, guess what? He will be preaching, still be preaching the gospel. So God is not in a paradigm shift of where he's changing his way, changing his method. His message has always been proclaimed through and by preaching. Now, I know a lot of churches today are getting away from that. They say it's too old-fashioned, and, and uh, people don't like that. And so they have gone about uh, other avenues, uh, making movies and entertainment and other ways of getting the gospel out. 
I don't have a problem with that, but those things should never take the place of the preaching of God's Word. God has one message, and He has the best way to get that message out, and that is for a man of God to be anointed by the Holy Spirit and to just shell it right on down and let the pieces fall where they will. Amen? And that's the gospel. It's always been done through and by the preaching of the gospel. And this angel is preaching the word of God, and he's doing it with a loud voice, if you'll look there in verse 7. Everybody needs to hear it. You hear me? He wants to make sure that everybody is hearing that message. I preached at a certain church one time, preached a revival. They said I was too loud. They didn't ever call me back. They said, uh, Brother James, you were too loud. I said, well, some of the members shouldn't have been sleeping while I was trying to preach. <laughs> I can't help it. I get emotional when I'm preaching. I asked the Lord a long time ago, Lord, let me feel what I'm preaching. If I can't feel it, Lord, don't let me preach it. So that's the reason why I get loud in my preaching sometimes. I, I feel what I preach. And, and I, I just thank God that, that Christianity is something you can feel. Amen. I understand uh, what Jeremiah said when he said, It's like a fire in my bones. I, I got to get it out. So you'll just have to bear with me sometimes. I know some people says it gets on their nerves, but uh, we'll just pray for them, all right? There are other preachers out there. If you want to go listen to them, that's fine. But it is what it is. I, I am who I am, and I'm not changing who I am, and I'm not changing the way I preach. So that's, that's that. Anyway, this angel's preaching with a loud voice. The only difference in the message that he's preaching then and the message we're preaching now is in verse 7. He says, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. Now, today when we preach the gospel, we warn people about a judgment that is coming. There is a day of judgment coming. But then, as that angel is flying through the heavens and preaching the gospel, he says the hour of judgment is come. He'll be preaching it at the midpoint of the tribulation period. By that time, um, seven seals will have been opened, and seven trumpets will have been blown. A lot of things will have already have taken place at that time, with the worst still yet to come, with the seven vile judgments, of which we'll be dealing with a little bit later on. But that is the only difference in the gospel we preach now, and the gospel that that angel will be uh, preaching in the future. Okay, now he's also telling them there in verse 7, Worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And he's telling them to worship the one true God. His message is flying in the face of the false prophet who is preaching and promoting worship of the Antichrist. So that's another little addition to his message then. And he's also followed by a second angel. If you'll look there, Revelation 14 verse 8. There followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath 
of her fornication. Now, there are several things that are said here. First of all, the city of Babylon is going to be rebuilt. And it's going to become a great city influencing the whole world. Now, it takes time for a city to be built. It takes even more time for a city to become a great city. Now, at the time this announcement was made, which is at the midpoint of the tribulation period, uh, Babylon will be in its quote-unquote heyday. Um, It was back, I don't know, some years ago, Saddam Hussein, remember him? He began construction on the city of Babylon, rebuilding that city. And, of course, we know what happened to Saddam Hussein. I do not know where the construction is at today, how far along they are. But my point is simply this. The construction of that city has already begun. So if you want to say we're seeing a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, uh, there you have it. Now, we have some that say that Babylon has to be rebuilt before the rapture can take place. Uh, I think the reason some people say that is because they think soon after the rapture takes place, the tribulation period starts. And like I said, it takes a long time to build up a city and for a city to get established and to become a great city. Uh, But there is no scriptural proof for Babylon being rebuilt before the rapture. The rapture could take place at any moment. And yes, it does take time to build up a city. But now, the Bible does not say that the tribulation period will start the day after the rapture. You will not find that. We just notice at some point in time after the rapture, the Antichrist will come on the scene and the tribulation period will start. It could be years or even decades after the rapture before the tribulation begins. And it's during that period of time that the city of uh, Babylon could be rebuilt and rise to power, and and who knows? So uh, just keep that in mind as you're studying the Scripture. So there's no biblical foundation for the teaching saying that Babylon has to be rebuilt before the rapture. Uh, that's simply not the case. All right. And let me just say this about that as well. That part of the world is where most of the oil is controlled. So money's not a problem over there. When you got money, you can get things done. I say when you got money, you can get things done. You know what I mean? And uh, they don't have a problem with money. And when you think about the day's construction methods, the heavy machinery, the equipment they have nowadays, it don't take long to put a building up. So, you know, to rebuild Babylon, I don't think it is as time-intensive as people think that it will be. All right, let's take a look at the phrase, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. This is the second thing that's said here in this verse. It's telling us that the city will be completely destroyed. Now, if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 21. Isaiah 21. 
You'll see where Isaiah used that same phrase when he prophesied of Babylon. Isaiah 21 verse 9. And the Bible says, And behold, there cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And all the graven images of her gods he hath broken unto the ground. Now, the phrase, is fallen, is fallen. Remember, that's what was said back in Revelation 14. It is the same thing said here in Isaiah 21, 9. That phrase, is fallen, is fallen, it predicts two individual happenings. Some of what Isaiah said pertained to the Babylon of his day. Some of it pertains to a future Babylon. If you will, right there while you're in Isaiah, go over to chapter 47. Isaiah 47. Move down, if you will, to verse 9. We'll show you something there. Isaiah 47, verse 9. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment in one day. And he's talking to Babylon. The loss of children and widowhood, they shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. Babylon of the past did not fall in one day with the invasion of the Medes and Persians. But it will under the giant earthquake of Revelation chapter 16. If you will, flip over there to Revelation chapter 16, and we'll take a look at what will happen there. This is under the um, last vile judgment. Revelation 16, if you will, move down to verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. One violent earthquake under the seventh vile judgment is going to destroy this city in just a matter of minutes. And that is what Isaiah was speaking about when he prophesied in his uh, message then. Now, if you will, flip back to Revelation 14 and verse 8. Why is judgment coming upon this great city? The answer is found in Revelation 14 and 8, latter part, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Let's take a look at some of Babylon's history, and we'll bring it up to today, and I think you'll have a little better understanding of what is being said here. 
Uh, turn to Genesis chapter 11, if you will. Babylon had its beginning there in the 11th chapter of Genesis. It is believed that the Tower of Babel was built where the Garden of Eden uh, was located at. Uh, men gathered there to make a way to God other than God's way. Another gospel, if you will. Genesis 11, let's begin with verse 1. The whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord God said, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down. And uh, before I go any further, that is God talking. Notice the terminology there. Let us go down. The us there is referring to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. The Trinity. Right there in Genesis 11 and verse 7. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language. That they may not understand one another's speech so the lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city therefore the name of it is called babel because the lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from thence did the lord scatter them abroad upon the earth and uh, so forth at any rate it is here that the languages of man was confounded and they were scattered all over the world. But they took what they learned at Babel with them. All the false religions in the world can be traced back to the Tower of Babel. Now they left off building the city. But it was later completed and called Babylon. Later it became the capital of the Babylonian Empire. The city of Babylon was later destroyed, but the spirit of Babylon is still in the world today in religions all over the world. Babylon has its tentacles in every religion of the world. You think about what I've just said. All right, now, Revelation 14, verse 8. Let's take a look at another little phrase here. She has made all nations drink of the wine. Someone has said that the doing of religion is one of the strongest wines there is. People get involved in their religious works and they feel good. And they think that they're saved because of those doings of good works. And to be honest with you, you can't tell them nothing. 
They become intoxicated, if you will, with the doing of good works. You can't tell them nothing. They're lost. And you try to show them the way, but you can't show them nothing. It's like a drunk man. You can't tell a drunk man anything. And she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, throughout the Old Testament, when they worshipped idols and whatever the case, all kinds of sexual immorality took place in their temples. Um, A lot of religions today have sexual immorality involved with them. There are some religions today where a man can have multiple wives, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's adultery and fornication in the eyes of God. Hello? Now, even in Christianity, there are those today who do not have a problem with the gay and homosexual agenda. And they'll even go so far as to allow them to come into church and get married and even and even will ordain homosexuals to stand behind the pulpit and preach. Folks, in the eyes of God, that is an abomination. It is fornication. It is idolatry. And let me tell you, those who engage in that type of activity will experience the wrath of God. And it is coming. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And that day of judgment is coming where the great city will fall as well as all the religions in the world will be brought to an end. The program today has been a blessing to you. We hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.